Welcome to Continuing Conversations, a podcast about Star Trek Adventures gaming. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about all things Star Trek Adventures. This includes announcing latest releases, highlighting professionals and fans associated with the game, explaining game rules and mechanics, exploring how to be a better game master or player, discussing the wider Star Trek verse in relation to Star Trek Adventures, and answering your questions about the best RPG game ever. Okay, maybe I'm a little biased. Now, I'm Michael Dismuke, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. I'm a contributor to the Continuing Mission blog, the number one fan site for the Star Trek Adventures game, and I'm your average geek. And now, let me to let uh, let me introduce you to the incomparably unstinting Jim Johnson, writer, gamer, Star Trek Adventures project manager, popcorn lover, daddy, and cat minion. How you doing, Jim? Doing all right, Michael. How about you? Good. Now, most of the time when we talk, it's all about Star Trek adventures. But, you know, tell us something about Jim Johnson that we don't know. Something that you don't know about me. Uh, So for a long time coming out of college, I spent about uh, 16 years in the community theater scenes doing a lot of shows as an uh, actor, um, writer, director, uh, backstage dude, you know, uh, props, et cetera, et cetera. So I I, I got 15 years of uh, theater in me. Uh, all non-professional, all non-professional, of course, but uh, it was a lot of fun. But all of that theater experience really influenced my writing in a lot of different ways. So it was a great experience. Um, once I moved and ha- started a family, it was hard to get back to it. But now that my my kids getting older, I might be able to get back into it again at some time. But uh, that's one thing that I don't think anyone's really talked about or asked me about on any of these interviews. Is- so I, I wanted to drop that out there. Well, I have to ask now: What was your favorite role? Oh man, my favorite role. So there was a show called um, Earth and Sky, which was about a, um, it was a mystery about a guy who um, who got killed and dumped into a dumpster. And so the whole play is kind of this esoteric thing about like, uh, there's a lot of poetry involved in it, but then it's like, who, who did it? And I played the hard-bitten uh, detective in the show that uh, that was involved in trying to figure things out. I, I'm like, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a really cool play. And uh, it, it was just a, a lot of fun. So that was my favorite role on stage. Um, Off stage, my best experience was being the director for Twelfth Night. Uh, that was just a lot of. It was a great experience to be a be a director and to be on the other side of the table, you yeah. know, instead of an actor. And uh, it was just a, a lot of fun. Director and game master, not too different, right? Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> very, very similar. Very similar. I think I would end up playing the guy in the dumpster. I've never <laughs> seen, I, I could have. I think I could have aced that role for sure. Yeah. 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 Funny. So let me turn it back on you, Michael. What, what's uh, what's one thing that uh, nobody knows about you outside of uh, Star Trek Adventures? Um, I would have to say it's about my love for jazz fusion. I'm mm-hmm. a huge um, jazz person, meaning that I like going to the shows. I've had the privilege of seeing some of the best, like Chick Corea, Pat Metheny, Nancy Wilson, if you like vocalists who are really good. But uh, mm-hmm. when I'm doing anything creative at work or even writing, I usually have some sort of jazz fusion going on in the background because it just sparks my brain and takes me to galaxies I've never been to. So I really, awesome. really love the music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're going to have to do a whole episode on music at some point because uh, I like I've got a whole bunch of questions for you now, but I'm going to save them because I think it's going to be appropriate for us to do a whole episode on like what kind of music do you listen to when you're working on stuff? Right. I, I think that would be worth getting into at some point. That is. And there's definitely some really talented people out there, even musicians about Star Trek. So we'll talk yeah. about that. All right, so of course, our main purpose is here to talk about Star Trek Adventures, the game. I thought it was something 
thought about something very interesting, Jim, as I was thinking about us putting together this series, which is going to be a series for everybody, just so you know, to play the game, learn how to play the game, expert tips to get into it if you've never done RPG before. But this is year four. It's been out for four years now, Star Trek Adventures. And there's kind of always that running joke that with Star Trek, the seasons don't really get good until seasons three or four. And I'm starting to get that same vibe with Star Trek Adventures. It's been fun, but something different is happening right now in year four. What's your take on that? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I would hate to say that anything that's come prior to, to to year four wasn't as great. Like, I don't I don't think I could look at any of our products and say that we had like our Shades of Grey moment of, uh, we haven't had a clip show equivalent, right? <laughs> but I think, I think you know, as, as Modifius has matured as a company, and as the Star Trek Adventures development team has matured and gotten, you know, working together more cohesively, and we've just learned, right? We we learn new things every product we do, and I think the the more we the more we develop products, and the more feedback we get from fans, right? The better the products get because we're able to incorporate a lot of that feedback into the products that we're working on, and I think one of the best ways to exemplify that is the Klingon Core Rule Book, where that came. I mean, we we thought about it you know, a couple of years ago, and then we started developing it, but we didn't really start developing it until we were getting enough feedback in to say, oh, you know, this is an opportunity to, to not just do a, a, a source book on the Klingons, but also to represent the core rule book in, in a possibly more um, clear fashion, right? So we took the opportunity to do a top-down revision of it, and we didn't really change any of the rules, right? We just kind of gave it a fresh presentation and tweaked a few things and, and Nathan Dowdell, the system designer, he did a brilliant job of going in there and just kind of like massaging it a little bit just to make it a little bit more clear and coherent where, you know, we didn't quite have the time to do that in the first core book release, uh, but we had a little bit more time in the in the Klingon book. So we, you just saw that evolution, right, of, yep. the, of the product and the product line. And then, you know, just with the products themselves, I think, you know, as we continue to, to knock off the legacy stuff that we want to get to, um, we're starting to imagine what, what kind of new products can we fit into the line that makes sense. And I think especially this year with um, with the Shackleton Expanse book and then the Player Guide and the Game Master Guide, I think those three kind of as a collective are, are really expanding the line in a way that we haven't been able to do yet. And I'm, I'm really excited for all three of them. Also, well, I'm going to add in the I'm going to add in the IDW publishing partnership for yeah. the. the the Star Trek Year Five, that that's mind blowing. And we're gonna talk about it all. So year three was really the Klingon Core Rule book, and then year four is where we're picking up the Shackleton Guide, the PG, and the GM. That's short for player's yeah. guide and, and game master's guide. Um yeah, amazing year four stuff. I do you think the pandemic had anything to do with it at all? Either? As to the pickup in the game, popularity? Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. And, and, and I can say that you know, I, don't, I don't have a lot of hard numbers, but I just know intuitively that having spent so much time on social media with this game, um, watching YouTube, watching Twitch, watching uh, Twitter and Facebook and Discord and Reddit, I mean, just all the different channels that are out there. Um, I mean, especially because of the pandemic, we, we've had so much time at home, right? I mean, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> but I spend so much time just keeping an eye on how is the game doing in the in the greater ether, right? And there are so many groups out there, um, you know, recording their sessions, putting them up on YouTube or Twitch or whatever. And there's streaming, there's tons of streaming channels 
that are doing right. their own shows. There's just so much content. It's not your fault. Well, well yeah. my way of saying it too, if people are putting up stuff um, and it's family friendly, you know, I have to say PG-13 content, they can always send it to Continuing Mission yeah. 2, which is um, the number one fan site on right. the web for Star Trek Adventures. I like to throw those little stats out there. You know, we had 80,000 unique visitors in 20. 20, which is why I asked about the pandemic. We saw a spike there with over half a million views that year yeah, in yeah. 2020, and we're about doing the same there. And, mm -hmm. and of course, if people don't know what Continuing Mission is, it's all about the fans. And it's, you know, I remember playing RPGs for years and just me and my five friends know our epic stories. I'm not satisfied with that. I want to hear what everybody's doing out there in the way of Star Trek Adventures. And this is the yeah, site yeah. where you can dump it and let people comment on it and just kind of immortalize it with at least the fan base. And then what about you, um, Jim, with Modifius? What kind of stats are happening out there that you're looking at when it comes to the game? Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop there for a second. I'm going to stop you there for a second. And I want to go back just for a second just to say about the um, – uh, just to close the loop on that conversation about the fans. Um, I, I think the pandemic – it had a huge role in in expanding the game just in terms of like uh getting more players into it right because because players had people had an opportunity to do something online so they were kind of like breaking that boredom and they were breaking that isolation by being able to play back and forth online and star trek uh the, i mean star trek adventures plus star trek is such a great venue for that because you don't need to be at a game table right you don't need miniatures you don't need a board you don't need a map you don't need to try to visualize it all on the table you can just do straight role playing or you could do a play by post or you could i mean there's a lot of different ways to play it but uh, i think just the fact that it's so accessible to play online you know across a camera or just over a, a voice uh you know audio um i think that just it really added to the to the fan you know to, to yeah. the ability to play it more like 90 percent of the planet learned to use zoom and they could take a tabletop <laughs> yeah. rpg and bring it over to zoom or you know yeah, like yeah. Skype or whatever they were using yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but then over to your question, like, uh, I don't know that I have a lot of stats I can share. I mean, the, the game is doing doing well, right? It's just buzzing right along. And uh, um, Shackleton, that, that came out, what, six weeks? It's end of October now. And it came out in September. And I think, you know, not that this is a, a marker of anything, because, like, I really don't know whether it's a marker of anything. But it's been in the top, like, seven on drive-thru RPG since it came out. And the IDW thing that you were talking about, that, that little PDF that we released supporting the um, awesome IDW Comics Year 5 um, ser comic series, that PDF has been on the top 10 of drive-thru RPG for, since it's been out too, because it's, it's under $5, right? So it's in that separate category of under $5 things. And, uh, and, and they're just sitting there, you know, blazing away. And um, that's gratifying, right? Because it, it means that people are looking at it and people are checking it out. And uh, more than anything else, you know, Star Trek fans, they always want new content and uh, and we're able to, to get it to them. Right. And, you know, now we've got these uh, these other new products <laughs> um, on pre-order and about to come out. And, you know, I've got the next couple of years worth of products already lined up. So there's no shortage of stuff coming out soon for the game and then, you know, down the road as well. So, uh, well, so again, yeah, and everything that just came out over the last four years, too, I, I, I enjoy watching when people pick up one and they're like, well, I need this too. And then soon mm -hmm. they're out there collecting it. Um, I see pictures sometimes pop up on social media where someone finds one of the first books in a game shop in Idaho and then they send it out on social media. So that's yeah. always always really cool. And you've yeah. had, I know that uh, Modifius has had to do reprints of some of the books too because mm -hmm. of that, right? Oh yeah, I mean, every, every single book has been reprinted at least once. 
and uh, and Modiphius, I mean, at least at the last I heard, they're they're intentional about keeping everything in print. So like a, you know, even the other lines like Conan and Dune and uh, Fallout and uh, et cetera, et cetera. As long as they can, as long as they can see a, a value in reprinting them and knowing that they're going to make some sales, they'll keep them in, in print. And uh, you know, I've long argued to them that uh, Star Trek is pretty much evergreen. You know, it's a 55 year old property. There's new stuff coming out constantly. I mean, we just had the premiere of Prodigy yesterday, right? So there is constant new Star Trek material coming out. There's always new fans coming to the game, you know, grabbing a core rule book or looking at the quick starts or something. And immediately they're going to want to look at those older. I mean, even though to us, they're older products, even though they only came out like three years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're still new to somebody else. And, uh, and you know, at, at the moment anyway, I mean, we're four years into it, but there's still value in reprinting these things and keeping them in print because people are, are buying the print products. And like I, I know historically, um, RPG fans are, are kind of slanted toward wanting the physical print products. We like to have those physical books in hand. Uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a industry, we haven't been able to quite embrace digital completely. Uh, you know, even though I, I love digital books because they're so much easier to, to transport. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, unless something changes, we're going to keep everything in print uh, for the most part. I think well, the, um, the the collector's edition of the of the original core book, um, we're not going to reprint that, I don't think. Um, well, this, this is actually a really good segue because yeah. the purpose of this podcast and launching mm -hmm. was to help those who might actually feel a little overwhelmed. So even <laughs> though there are piles of amazing content that right. will eventually add to the universe, yeah. This podcast is about getting you as a new game master, whether it's your first time ever being a game master or whether you've game mastered other games, mm -hmm. um, or if you're a player and really want to learn, okay, how, how do I get into this? How do I do this improv theater of the mind karaoke exercise, which, which RPG is? Um, that's what this podcast is going to be about. At least the initial series is going to be about the two new releases. In a minute or less, Jim, talk to us about the two new releases um, that are right behind me. Yeah, that's the uh, the player's guide and the game master's guide. Those are the the products that we thought about doing and what we wanted. We it was really tricky because what we wanted to do is we wanted to aim them at two audiences. The first audience is to the the casual Star Trek fan who kind of knows Star Trek but wants to know more, and also gamer or, you know people who want to try out the game but don't really know anything about RPGs or Star Trek necessarily, right? So that that but the first half of each book is kind of aimed at the at the total newbie like. I, I kind of know what Star Trek is, but I want to know more. I, I kind of know what Star Trek is, but I want, I want to know more about how it works as a game setting. Um, or maybe I want to be a game master. What does that mean for Star Trek? And, and then the rest of it is all about um, how to do more with the game like that, that you have. Like, you know, more character options, more player options, more game master options, how to set up a session zero, how to, how to you know, get a group together to actually play. Um, uh, optional advice, optional rules, and then a lot of advice on how to use the rules in the core rule book, right? Like all the content in these two books is completely original, right? There's no, there's no cutting and pasting from the core rule book. There's no revision, you know, reformatting of content. It's all new stuff, right? Um, so, and, and part of that is because we had the opportunity now that we were, we are into year four, starting year five, we've had four years worth of feedback from fans. Who, who say, you know, I, I don't understand this rule or I don't understand that rule. We, we've been able to provide some clarification in these two books. And in addition, you know, add a whole bunch of optional rules on top of that for those groups that want more crunch. And, the way I like to explain it to, just yeah. to give you all a frame of what these books are like, I, I was trying to come up with an illustration to it. 
you know how you want to visit a place. Maybe you want to go and visit San Francisco, California for the first time. You know the Golden Gate Bridge is there, Quake Tower. You know that the stadium for the Warriors is there, Golden Gate Park. The wine country is somewhere around there. Monterey Bay Aquarium is somewhere around there. Well, you usually pick up a little tour guide and kind of gives you a short about the history of the bay and what sections to see and how to get around and which restaurants you should try best. That's how I really view these books. Of course, I, I had the privilege of being able to write some of the chapters and I purposely the entire time kept in the mindset of writing it for my 13 year old niece who wants to play. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, she has to understand what Star Trek is about and happy to say her and also my 18 year old nephew I had them started reading the player's guide and they're excited. They're like, Uncle Mike, what are we playing? Um, <laughs> so it whet their appetite to kind of touring around San Francisco, but this yeah. is now they're like, wow, we actually don't have to play by this hard set of rules. There's a whole universe to explore. We get to build the world with you. I'm like, exactly. And so they built their characters and they're excited to go into it. So these are the tour books for Star Trek Adventures, right? They are, yeah. That's a great analogy, Michael. And I, I would add to that, there's also that layer of, um, you know, I really wanted to target them at, at people new to Star Trek, right? Because I know that with Discovery and Picard and Prodigy and Lower Decks and all these new series coming out, there's a whole new generation of Star Trek fans coming into the property that really don't know a lot about that 55 years worth of history behind us, right, for the franchise. And I, I've, I've heard from plenty of people on, on social media that, that they would like to try out Star Trek, but they're intimidated by just the breadth of stuff that's out there. So for these two books, what I wanted to do is, is like the chapter one in both of them is pretty much identical. And it says, here's 10 things to know about Star Trek. And here's 10 things to know about Star Trek Adventures. And what I wanted to do with those two chapters was to kind of like set a baseline and say, here's what Modiphius thinks about Star Trek. It's, it's not the answer, but it's a answer. And it gives you a starting point, you, know, you the player or you the GM, a starting point to say, Here's Star Trek, and, and for the purposes of our game, here's what we're going to do with it. Because at, at this point, Star Trek's 50, 55 years old, and you take 10 different game groups and, and play the game, you're going to get 10 completely different experiences, and they're all valid. They're all equally valid, right? Uh, yeah. So what I wanted to do is at least establish a, a baseline to say, here's what the game is about, and, and here's what we think Star Trek is about, and everything that we do for the game is going to branch off of that, Right. And then, and then any game master or player can, can, can you know, do their own thing based off of that. But I wanted to set a baseline just so that somebody totally new to the franchise could pick up one of these books and go, okay, I kind of get Star Trek now. And I kind of well, get what Star Trek Adventures is trying to do and then go from there. And what I liked about it too is as someone who's game mastered for over 30 years and I've game mastered since um, Modifius launched STA. I always had to spend a lot of time explaining to new players the universe and now it's done and I can refer them to a chapter page or look at this or all of a sudden they're like, what do replicators do? Okay, well, I'm working with the group here, read this. Mm -hmm. And then they come back like, whoa, can I make a gun? You know, so so um, it's just a good book even for the season game masters. It's kind of like, again, going back to the tour, tour analogy, you go to San Francisco the next time, you've seen all the major sites, but there's a lot of Easter eggs and cool stuff, which in these podcasts, we're gonna start breaking down chapter by chapter, what's there for the newbie, and also what Easter eggs or gold is there for the experienced players, mm -hmm. like how best to use this book to train your team how to play, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So that's what to look forward to. Um, I kind of want to talk, you know, it's good to give some anticipation to what Modifius is doing and what's coming out. Um, you mentioned Prodigy. We, we have Strange New Worlds coming out right now. 
is there any chance that we're going to get those within the Star Trek Adventures world, or is that a licensing issue? What's going on there? I mean, so it's not it's not a licensing issue like in a bad way, right? Like, so the way CBS has it structured is like all the legacy stuff. So um, original series, event, original series, the animated series, Next Gen, DS Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and the uh, the ten mo- main movies, right? That's all one big license, right? And so we have access to all that stuff, uh, minus the JJ verse movies, because that's a whole separate, a whole separate thing. Um, and then Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, yada yada yada, whatever other series they have in the works. Each of those is a separate entity unto, unto itself, right? And so CBS, you know, they they added Discovery and they added Picard to our license, which is great because now that we can we can do stuff with those. And in fact, you'll see. In these two books, the Player's Guide and the Game Master Guide, we started sprinkling in Discovery and Picard elements just because we can now. We like we're able to do that, and we're 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 folding them into the the Medifius canon, if not the actual you know game you know, the the series canon. Uh, and then you know you know Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, those are all conversations we're having with CBS. Uh, nothing confirmed yet, but like a- as things happen, um, if we're able to add them to the license, then we will absolutely jump at the chance like i would love to work on all of them i would love to do products for every one of them obviously because they're the they're the shows that are on the air right now and like i said you have new fans coming in watching those shows and you want to be able to to get them involved right you want to look them into the game and say look you just watched an awesome episode of prodigy here's the stuff for the game that you can use to do that at your game table and um and uh, i think so i would love to do it yeah, and one of our future shows is actually going to be about while you're watching a show, how do you reverse engineer the show if you want to drag those yeah. characters into yeah, yeah. your Starship Adventures game. That's something we do right. quite a bit in my uh, game group. But we're going to give you some advice that, okay, if we don't have, even if Modifius doesn't happen to have the license right now, we can give you some tips and tricks to reverse engineer it and get those characters and storylines yep. into your game. So we're, I have a feeling my niece is going to be pushing for a prodigy level game. So I have Sweet. no choice but to come up <laughs> yeah. with something for that. Um, what are you, what are your, as we're getting toward wrap up before we uh, break out into our official first episode about the Game Master's Guide, mm-hmm. um, talk to us about your hopes for the game, Jim, where you've been and where you look forward to it going. Yeah, so I, I was, I started the, I started on the game, you know, back in 2016 as a, as a writer and an editor and rapidly, rapidly got involved in more and more of the, of the back end, you know, behind the scenes development of the game. And then they promoted me to project manager in 2019. And so I've been kind of in charge of the creative efforts of the line since then. And uh, I kind of feel like I've got my feet under me and I'm settled in and like we're moving toward a great, I mean, not that, not that we weren't going toward a great direction before, but now that I've got my head wrapped around everything that's happening, um, my big hope for the game is to just raise the awareness of it and to get more people into it and to get the the people out there who are like, I want a game master, but I don't know how someone teach me the game so that I can go be a game master. Right? That's that's part of the reason we, we did these two books, the Game Master Guide and the Player's Guide, because we want more people into the game. And, and, I mean, obviously it's a business, right? But what I really want is just people playing the game and experiencing it and enjoying it because it's it's such a great property to play in and it's such a great storytelling venue. And, and this is where my acting uh, element comes in. It's like being able to sit down at a table or you know virtually or in person with a group of friends and just spin a Star Trek story together, riffing off of each other, going back and forth, creating these awesome stories in the in the in the Final Frontier. It's just it's so rewarding as a as a you know just to do it, 
And yeah. uh, so like if people are out there and they're like, they need a creative outlet to get away from the world <laughs> that, that we're dealing with right now. It's like, why not go to Star Trek? Because yeah, I mean, that's my comfort food when I'm watching television. If I'm feeling down, I'll put on an episode of Star Trek, any series, and it'll immediately lift me up because of all the values that are baked into it. Well, I um, want to add to that too, is whereas mo a lot of RPGs are focused on hack 'em, slash 'em, violence, murder, hobo, all that. Yeah. Star Trek Adventures is, and just like Star Trek the franchise, is supposed to leave you walking away feeling a better hope for humanity, a better future. And so it's, it's not around violence and pew, pew, pew. It's really about social conflict and showing the best humanity has to offer. So as a family group or as your friends, if you really want a relaxing, fun night, Star Trek Adventures is like, unlike any other RPG I've ever played. And so that's something that's going to be different for people who are game mastering and playing for the first time, walking away from the game. Even Monopoly gets competitive and people hate each other after Monopoly. <laughs> but after a game of Star Trek Adventures, or Catan, you know, but after Star Trek Adventures, people are walking away like, wow, we like, we're good examples. We saved the world, you know, we saved the universe. And I, I love that feeling. No other game has ever done that for me, but Star Trek Adventures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if people have questions, one of the things, one of the segments we want to run on this podcast is questions from fans. And mm -hmm. so what should they do um, if they have questions, Jim? Uh, any questions at all about the game, uh, you can email me directly at jim at modifius.com. And that's M-O-D-I-P-H-I-U-S.com. Uh, Modifius Entertainment is the company that owns the, the license to do Star Trek Adventures. So uh, they are a UK company. They're great to work with. I've had a lot of fun over the last five years. But yeah, email me directly if you don't want to email me. And if you are on if you are on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at scribeinetti. That's S-E-R-I-B-E underscore Inetti. Uh, I have a link on my pinned post that takes you to a Q&A form on Google. Uh, I'm sure we can put that link in the in the description and we can also put it on uh, Facebook. And if you go to Continuing Mission, I think it's on there too. Um, so just click on that link. It'll go, it puts you into a form. You can just type in your name and your question and I'll get to it eventually. I try to do those videos about once a month where I'll just go through the questions. I'm overdue to do one, so I need to do that uh, pretty soon here. But yeah, any questions, the, the best way to do it would just be to email me directly. Yeah, and these will be coming out every week for as long as the foreseeable future until we <laughs> run out of content, which I hope never happens. Not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we'll 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 do it so that we can answer that um, on this on this show if possible. That's a, that's um, a good idea. Yeah, and then again, like Jim's all over social media, and the writers, the creators, they're very responsive on social mm -hmm. media. So if you have a question about the game, you could you could just put it in one of those public forums. You'll get a response. Um, I want to remind everyone too that Modifius before they only had a United Kingdom store, but that changed this year, right? We there's a United yeah. States store that yeah. they can purchase products from. Yeah, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, right about the time Shackleton launched, they launched the U.S. store. So uh, Modifius.net is the uh, U.K. store, and then they opened up a Modifius.us store, which is, I mean, it's essentially identical, but the distribution center is in the United States instead of the United Kingdom. So for those of you in North America um, who were, you know, understandably unhappy about the shipping costs from the U.K., because, you know, we can't control the shipping costs, but they are what they are. Uh, but now you have an option to order from um, a, a U.S. distributor, which means that the shipping costs should be should be lower, and the shipping times should be a little speedier, theoretically, right? Just depending on where things are with COVID and uh, the global supply challenges. But yeah, so Modifius.net or Modifius.us, depending on where you are. And uh, I think the Modifius.net site even has a banner at the top that says, "Hey, if you're in the United States or North America, go to the U.S. store because otherwise you're going to be ordering stuff and you're going to wonder why the 
shipping is so expensive and you're like, oh, you should have been on the US store, not the <laughs> .NET store. But is that what yeah. I did with the tricorder box set? I think, uh, <laughs> oops. But if you make a mistake, just email support. Email support at customer service or, or uh, support at uh, Medifius. They'll, they'll, they'll get, you, get you sorted out. Good to know. Yeah, All yeah. right. So um, getting ready again, we're going we're gonna to wrap this one up and get ready to dig into the Game Master's Guide on the next episode. But right. uh, I, one of the things I constantly hear online um, from newbies coming into the game is like, wow, you are all so supportive. I can't believe how supportive it is. But it's not just Modifius alone. Do you want to um, thank some of the partners uh, you're working with, Jim, on a consistent basis who's making this universe better? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just by virtue of the connections I've had I've, or that I've made over the last few years, and plus the connections that we have at, with Modifius, uh, we've had the opportunity to kind of like expand our reach and reach out to some of the other Star Trek licensees out there so that we can we can cross-pollinate and we can trade resources and we can uh, 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 trade uh, advertisements and stuff. So I want to thank everybody who's responsible for Star Trek Timelines, Star Trek Online, uh, the IDW Comics uh, Year 5 series, and then uh, also Hero Collector and Eagle Moss. Uh, all of them collectively we've worked with in one degree or another. We're continuing to deepen some of those relationships so that you'll see more cool stuff coming out. Because like, I know as a fan, I love to see the licensees working together to do different things. And so we're trying to do that too. So the fans that are paying attention, they're, they're seeing us pull in content from all these different licensees and cross-pollinating. And it helps CBS because it makes all the Star Trek stuff look more cohesive, you know, because we're able to share all these resources. I, and I think you're going to see more of that in the coming, coming months and years here. So I want to thank all of them. And then I always, always, always want to make sure I thank the fans because without the fans being as supportive as they are, like you were talking about how supportive Modifius is and how easy it is to reach me on social media. Like if you have a question about the game, shoot, just go to the fans, go to Reddit, go to Facebook, go to Continuing Mission and talk to the fans that are playing the game because they are some of the most supportive people I've ever seen for any game. And I, I don't see a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, acrimonious commentary like I see on other game lines for other game systems where people get really wrapped up about specific things. You know, Star Trek is I mean, Star Trek Adventures. I've I've seen the fan base by and large is pretty supportive. So I'd say if you don't hear from me right away, go talk to a, one of the um, hardcore fans of the game because they'll support you too. But I always want to thank thank the fans for their support of the game. It's gratifying every day to see how much they love the game. All right. Well, we're all here to have fun and relax. We don't need more stress in our life, so, so that's why we do it. All <laughs> right. Well, thank you, for Jim, for another continuing conversation, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks.